because in both situations, they listen to get a response to build hype without listening to get an understanding and then have a general conversation where offense, if offense was taken, it could have been understood that it wasn't meant to be that way. And we could have had it. Both of them could have had an opportunity to. What's good, great people? Welcome to the Gen X Has Something to Say podcast. It's a podcast created by an African-American Gen Xer for the African-American Gen X. First off, I want to say thank you all for supporting this show. Um, I am at the end of my third season, so definitely those of you who've come in at the first episode or joined me at the 16th or you have joined me at the 25th, wherever the case where you discover Gen X has something to say and you gave your 15 to 30 to 45 minutes to listen to me ramble on about the thoughts inside of a Gen X's head, I really appreciate you. So please continue to like, share, and subscribe to our social media feeds because even though the season is over, I still got some stuff I need to say. So thank you so much again. Uh, Happy 245th birthday to the United States Marine Corps. Definitely shouting out, even as he's resting in heaven, my number one devil dog, Master Gunnery Sergeant Thomas R. Payne Sr. As we ride into the day, because it's Friday, uh, happy Veterans Day to all of you who serve, be it Navy, Air Force, Marines, or the Army, or the Coast Guard. Whatever capacity in which you serve this country, I want to say thank you. Please make sure you enjoy the special time that has been provided for you and eat all the free food at the restaurants that have given you free food for today. So definitely want to enjoy that. So, hey, my season finale episode, right? Uh, We've had the elections that went past uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, For some of us, it didn't turn out the way we wanted to turn out in some way. We got this runoff in Georgia. And between the elections, the conversations and the commentary around the elections and the continued commentary around uh, Ye and his comments and Kyrie Irving and his perceived uh, support or non-support around and this just general around this word uh, Semitic and anti-Semitic and anti-Semitism all that stuff uh, just really led me to uh, have a conversation about this because there's for me I'm looking at some stuff and it's like it don't make sense and I just don't really believe the hype about it so I'm going to chop it up a bit. Hopefully, y'all are joining in, and we're going to talk about this and why we shouldn't really believe the hype that's going on between the elections and this anti-Semitism conversation. So we had these elections Tuesday, right? These midterm elections where Senate houses, uh, uh, well, Senate seats are uh, up for grabs and 
control of the House and the Congress are, are really in play right now. Hopefully, those of you that are listening, uh, you did vote because really at the end of the day, uh, whether it's the, the lesser of two evils, we are compelled to vote because our ancestors went through it way too much to get this right to vote and it will behoove us to participate if let alone for anything else because of what was done that was sacrificed because we talk about Veterans Day. Well, there's Civil Rights Veterans Day as well because they gave their life so that we can enjoy this freedom of voting. So hopefully you guys participated. We know voter turnout is typically lower at the midterm elections than they are during the presidential election. That's another time to address that. There were two candidates that we definitely, or two races that we as African-Americans were paying attention and rooting for those that could vote and participate. One was here in North Carolina with Sherry Beasley going up against Ted Budd for that Senate seat. Uh, didn't turn out the way we wanted it to turn out. As well as, uh, well, two, let me say three then. I'm, I'm going to add this because there's a runoff between Raphael Warnock and that guy that played football that they put up there. I don't even want to call his name, but they're in a runoff, which is amazing in itself. And then there's Stacey Abrams, who uh, we couldn't get her over the top again in Georgia against Brian Kelly. Unfortunate, but what really struck me this go around was some of the conversation that that went around because I think this is the first year that I really paid attention to the exit polls, and I think I got into that simply because of the conversations that came after that. So starting with North Carolina, um, they were saying some stuff like people didn't get out to vote the way they should. If we all would have voted, we would have got Sherry Beasley over the top. But when you look at these demographics, right, especially in states like North Carolina and Georgia, you have the the cities, areas around the cities is where they're heavily Democratic. They typically vote Democratic or Independent. They know it's that way. But when you get out into these rural areas, they are staunchly Republican in their views and their ideologies. So, Unfortunately, in Sherry Beasley's case, hers was more of a money issue. She didn't have the money to really go out in these rural areas and and campaign the way she should have. Another thing to add to that was where was Biden? Where was Obama? Where was Harris out in North Carolina campaigning for her? So she pretty much was on her own, didn't really have the full machine of the, of the Democratic Party. And that says a lot in itself of what they think about the state of North Carolina. And the voters that we have here. So it's that type of stuff. But we centered around that. But I want to add a couple of things that I found from these exit polls that really is significant when we talk about the hype around voting and what that means and, and how you can have power, how your, your one vote is a voice. Think about this, great people. Uh, 60%, 60% of white Gen Xs, because this is Gen X, has something to say. 60% of white Gen Xers voted Republican. Another thing to add is that white women voted Republican. Third thing is Veterans Day that the majority of veterans voted Republican. Now, I, there's so much to say, and I left links in my in the story feed so you can get links to these various exit polls that I took a look at. I didn't go in full detail about them, um, but just kind of want to pull out these things just to really make the point of when you really start splitting hairs and thinking about voting and what happens. And I, we've all been in conversations where if black people just got together and we voted, we would make uh, such impact and such power and have such um, 
ability to shape and move elections, which we do. However, it is problematic because that would put us in a position where we become monolithic. We already fight this this notion of this stereotype of being monolithic. We're just not monolithic. And another conversation as I move on here, um, when we talk about what's going on in Georgia, one of the things I've heard in conversation and in some of my social media feed posts is that somewhere along the line, black men did not support Stacey Abrams in her campaign to run as governor. But when you look at the exit polls, 85% of black males voted for her. So 13%, yeah, kind of a high compared to what the way black women supported her, but still the overwhelming majority of black men voted for Stacey uh, Abram and I run for the governor of the state of Georgia. So we put a lot of hype around some of these small points when it comes to voting and supporting our people or supporting the candidates that we think will go in and do great jobs for us. However, it does not tell the whole picture. Uh, and it, and it gives us another understanding of how big this machine moves and how hard we as a community, if we are trying to have this type of power or have people really pay attention to us and really take note of our agenda is how hard the work is that we have to do to really move and operate as a single unit and get our agenda pushed because we're not monolithic. We've always had great leaders who differed in approaches to getting to the same goal. And because we differ so much, sometimes we get off of the path that we need to be on in order to really push our culture, push our people forward and progress in a great way. It's not unfortunate. It's not something that we can't overcome, but we need to really pay attention to that because even in that bigger picture, we still need allies to get to a certain space, which is why I brought up the fact that 60 or, or the 60% of Gen Xers, white Gen Xers, those of us in generation have our same types of experiences to some point, how they voted Republican and then a majority of white women vote Republican, which is so weird because they're literally voting against their own interests to stay in party line and race lines and all that stuff. All that proves to be problematic when we are talking about moving the country forward, have we progressed? Are we still kind of moving backwards in certain things? These are things that we really need, we really need to pay attention to and make sure we are uh, seeing the bigger picture and not just finding small details to say, this is why we didn't win, such as uh, we didn't come out to vote or a particular group of us black men didn't support a black woman, any things of that nature. We need to really pay attention and really take note of what the bigger picture is when we're talking about having this voting and the voting power and what that can bring to us.
So as I shift the conversation away from the election, because the hype is going to be forthcoming all the way through uh, the runoff between Warnock and that guy, and hopefully Warnock will pull this off. I want to I wanted us to talk about this hype around anti-Semitism and how Kanye West and Kyrie Irving has been at the forefront of this anti-Semitism based off of conversations or, or comments or posts that they've tweeted as it related to the Jewish community or uh, what's the word to use here or assumption. Um, let me, let me put this in here as a basis for where I'm going with this conversation. While I was at Virginia Union, we had this book that we had to read and it was called Interpretation Theory, Discourse and the Surplus of Meaning. This by far was one of the hardest books I ever read in my three years at Virginia Union. I'm still trying to figure out some of the stuff that I read, but one thing that I was able to comprehend, right, was this statement that was made by Paul Ricura as he's talking about understanding language and written language and how it interprets and all that stuff, right? So he says, and the concept of meaning allows two interpretations which reflect the main dialect between event and meaning. To mean is both what the speaker means, i.e. what he intends to say, and what the sentence means, i.e. what the conjunction between the identification function and the predicate function yields. See what I mean by why this book was so difficult? But however, I got this and understood that the speaker must fully control every word that he or she uses that is interpreted in the way that they intended for it to be interpreted. In other words, we like to say, mean what you say and say what you mean. That's pretty much what all of that rhetoric with them big old words and all this stuff, that's what that means. And what we have here in Kanye and Irvin's issue with the Jewish community is that people have taken what their words were and assumed and made them anti-Semitic and was problematic for me. And I'm going to start with yeah and work my way, uh, Kyrie, because he's the most recent and, and there's some other stuff with, with, with Kyrie that I kind of want us to talk about is when we look at what Kanye said, right? He said this, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. The funny thing is that I can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jews also. You guys toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone, whoever opposes your agenda. And immediately everybody went to the fact that he said DEFCON 3 on Jewish people as to mean anti-Semitic. When you take the time to break this down right. So DEFCON 3 is a military term, right? So let's let's start with some definitions. DEFCON 3 is a military term. What it means, DEFCON 3, DEFCON 1 being the highest, meaning that it's full-on World War, whatever. 
DEFCON 3 is an increase in force readiness that is required for normal readiness. The Air Force must be ready to mobilize in 15 minutes. That is what DEFCON 3 means. And it was interpreted and put booster cable and rockets on it, and it took off as to mean it is anti-Semitic. He, you know, it's hate speech towards Jews, yada, 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 yada. And it amounts to people having an interpretation and running with that interpretation. That's number one. I'm, I'm going to say the second one so I can really kind of frame this in a proper context. Kyrie's case. Kyrie simply tweeted a movie that's on a platform that is owned by a Jewish person. It is called From Hebrew to Negro. And in this movie, there was an argument that is made about black people having or being Jewish or being descendants of Jewish. And it goes out into it. I want to deep dive into this. I'm just kind of staying surface because I really want to get at the definition of Semitic. That's where I'm going with this. Where and people have been running with anti-Semitic tropes. Gotcha. But let's look at the word Semitic. It means relating to or coming from a family of languages that includes Hebrew, Arabic, and Aramaic, Aramaic, and certain ancient languages as Phoenician and other Afro-Asiatic family. So all of those languages... If you speak any of those, you are Semitic. What puzzles and what troubles me in this whole situation. Oh, let me add the second one. Let me add because there's two, two parts to the definition, right? So that one is like all the languages. You have the five. Those are all the languages. So the second one you have is retaining or relating to the principles of those who speak Semitic language, especially Hebrew and Aramaic. That is what Semitic means, right? So even if you work from a logical, historical perspective on this, right, from going from the first definition of, of Semitic to the second definition of Aramaic, they just remove some of the ancient languages so as to say like people are not speaking the Phoenician and, and other language in the subgroups of the Afro-Asiatic family. So the main two are Hebrew and, and Arabic. So whether you are Hebrew or you're Arabic, air quotes, Muslim, you are Semitic. The baffling part comes and when you look up the definition in the Oxford Dictionary or any other dictionary, when you look up anti-Semitic, it says hostile or prejudice against Jewish people. Anti-Semitic remarks that were posted only for 
Jewish. How in between going from Semitic and adding anti and a hyphen did you lose all the other meanings of all the other languages and Semitic and everything being anti-Semitic? Because if that is the case, if we use the true definition of Semitic and place anti in front of it, that means that every time somebody is does something against a Muslim country or they speak hate or ill will about any Muslim or or their religion, their faith, or anything to that nature, they are anti-Semitic. Help me understand why we not getting that piece of it and when we doing this hype on anti-Semitism. right so you know the two people that that this is happening to is unfortunate right because we have yay who we know has um he has mental issues we we all have come to the consensus that he's never really gotten over his mother's death he has uh diagnosed as bipolar and he hasn't been taking his meds and these are the type of things that happen with that type of mental illness right you have Kyrie who has made some poor decisions and, and kind of went left on some of his uh, choices of words and what he thinks about people and the whole situation with the bubble and not wanting to take the vaccine, you know, for whatever his growth. So you have all these things going on with these two people, right? So then when they have situations like this, it is easy for everybody to jump on that wagon. All you have to do is have that fire starter. And for both of them, the fire starter is something that uh, is struggling. I know for me of having any real value to it, right? Because what bothers me through the whole situation with them and the hype around it is when they said it, when Kyrie posted, when both of them posted on posted their tweet, Nobody asked a follow-up question. Like when Kanye made the statement, no, there was nobody that came behind it and said, yo, what do you mean by that statement? Expound further on that. Nobody asked that. It was DEFCON 3 and you ran off with it as he was hating Jews or whatever. Now he has a problem with the community. And even in some of the stuff that he's talked about, it's some truth to that. If you do the research. If you do the deep dive and some of the stuff he said has some real truth to it. And amazingly enough, Kyrie and, and Kanye and what they're saying about black people having Jewish um, being descendants of the Jewish line. They're both saying similar things, but we're overlooking that because at the end of the day, we are not really um giving credence to something because somebody is deemed crazy. Where have we seen that type of, of experience or, or playbook before people have been to jail because 
they made mistakes and the one time they did make a mistake because of their past. They're being judged by their past. Nobody is really taking their words at face value. But let me take this step a little step further. What really having take somewhat of a deep dive in this is the is what they did to Kyrie. So Kyrie made some mistakes, right? So if your boss want to talk to you, you got to kind of have a conversation with him. That's just a respect thing, especially if that's a person that signs your paycheck. Now, if you work for yourself, that's a totally different game. But you work for somebody. And your boss wants to talk to you about something. And I get it. You know, you can go both sides of this type of conversation. So after all this outside pressure, they decided they were going to suspend Kyrie, right? So they suspend him. But then on top of that, these are the things they put together to say, you need to do these things before you can come back. Um, He had to apologize and condemn the movie. Well, he's already apologized. He shouldn't have had to apologize, but he apologized. He has to make a $500,000 donation to to an anti-hate group. He has to complete some sensitivity training. He has to complete or go to some anti-Semitism training. He has to meet with the ADL and Jewish leaders. He also has to meet with his owner and understand the situation. If this ain't some old school buck breaking from slavery days as I've never seen it before. And thankfully, all those that were uh, uh, down on him or saying he did something wrong, at least they had sense enough to say this is too far. I can appreciate that to some extent. But it's the fact that this type of height pushed to this type of level and at no point... Did anybody make a decision or even try to listen to him? They ran right by his apology. They ran right by his statement. Nobody necessarily really wanted to to deal with the truth in a sense of of what he was saying. Because we are in this age where uh, everything that we know to be true is not necessarily true. There are more deep dives. There are more conversations. And we're finding out that some things that are, are that we've known to be true are no longer true. Take the 1619 Project. Think about that. Think about critical race theory. We're really telling the true story about slavery and who discovered what and who did what to whom and what race and nationality are. These stuff are all come into play. And I'm I'm talking about all of this really to say that we just need to stop and listen more. Like we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We have two eyes and one mouth for a reason. And what this height around. I mean, I'm I'm talking about these three. I'm talking about the election and the Kyrie and, and Kanye situation with anti-Semitism and how the hype around that and what it really uh, kind of centers around is that we are very quick to speak and slow to listen when we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Because if we did that, then we would be in a better place to understand what somebody really means, especially if we don't understand it or we think it's something that 
that is meant to be hurting or degrading. Because one of the things that bothers me about this, this Kyrie situation is the fact that when he goes to explain himself, and he's not the best orator, he's not the best debater. If you if you go back and forth with him long enough, he gets frustrated and he can't really communicate the way he needs to. However, when he's saying stuff like he apologized and he's saying, you know, I didn't make the movie there. I watched it. There were some things I got from it. And um, I went with those things. We talk about this all the time, too. We talk about how when we when we are provided, when we are uh, uh, absorbing information, we chew the meat and spit out the bones. Why couldn't that have been the case for Kyrie, which it was? And he came back and apologized. I didn't, you know, I posted him in again. Let me just stop because I don't think he should apologize. And then when we look at the situation with Kanye, it's another situation of he said something. Nobody asked a follow up question to say, what do you mean by DEFCON 3? Do you know what that means and how that could be perceived as offensive? And he could have went into that, even though he gave a secondary a sentence saying, you know, I can't be anti-Semitic because I'm black and we come from that line. Nobody wants to really address that. That is that is the truth to that. But what do we do with that situation? We have to, as a community, as a society, we have to learn how to listen for understanding and not listen to respond. Because in both situations, they listen to get a response to build hype without listening to get an understanding and then have a general conversation where offense, if offense was taken, it could have been understood that it wasn't meant to be that way. And we could have had, a, both of them could have had an opportunity to give meaning to the words that they put together so that they wouldn't be interpreted in the way they were interpreted. What's good? Great people. What a great conversation to end this season on. Talking about these election results and the exit polls with that and uh, the Kanye and Kyrie tweets and how anti-Semitism has played a part in the backlash and the uh, overzealous punishment that they receive. And at the end of the day, it becomes so much hype that we just don't need to participate in it. Why we don't need to participate in it? Because we need to use our eyes and our ears more than we use our mouth. Because if we do that, we'll begin to listen, not to respond, but we listen to gain understanding so that in spite of our differences, we see each other as humans who are trying to figure this thing out, right? Wonderful thing to be in. And before I close this thing out, let me say a shout out to the ladies of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, their centennial. Congratulations, lady. A hundred more years to you. Shout out to the good brothers of Omega Sci-Fi as we celebrate our Founders Day on November 17th. Rude to the good bros. Let me shout out the Alphas. I got quite a few friends that are Alphas. My brothers in Alpha. Shout out to the brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated as they will celebrate their Founders Day before we come back for season four. But until then, continue to live your life and live it the best way you can because you only get one shot to do it. Until then, you guys stay safe, like, share, follow, and subscribe. 
look forward to chatting with you on social media about something. Peace.